And so that's how I'm able to kind of further de develop all of those relationships with my strategic partners is because we are all working together as a team with the focus of what are these individuals, uh, clients goals and how can we all accomplish them together. Welcome to the Twins Talk It Up podcast, where my identical twin brother and I share our thoughts and provide solutions for executives and professionals who want to become masters of speaking and communicating so that they can maximize their influence and impact. Yes, we are identical twins who happen to also be public speakers, executive coaches, and sales leaders. Our company, DSP Leadership Group, focuses on equipping leaders who want to speak with confidence and authority, all while using their authentic voice. Here on the Twins Talk It Up podcast, we present topics about communication and leadership from our perspective as individuals and as twins. Welcome to the Twins Talk It Up podcast. When you think about scaling and sustaining the growth of your business, it is imperative that you consider the depth and expertise of your team. Even if your organization is not large enough or in a position to have these incredible resources internally, you can still look outside to add that much needed support. We aren't just referring to adding C-suite members or depth for leadership development. We are referring to having financial representation, legal representation. There are so many external resources that you can add while you're thinking about the growth of your organization. Today, my twin and I are glad to have a good friend of mine who's joined us to share about her practice and why it makes sense to add legal representation as a part of your team. Today, we're joined by Mariella D'Alessio. She's a partner and owner and the chair of estates and trust at Smith, Gildy, and Schmidt LLC. It is a leading Baltimore regional law firm, and Mariella also serves as a member of the Baltimore County Bar Association Executive Council. Mariella, welcome to Twins Talk It Up. How are you today? I'm wonderful. Thank you both for having me on your show today. This is Danny. And from time to time, Dave and I will let our audience know who's actually speaking, because sometimes we do sound alike. Not all the time, but most of the time we do. Mariella, tell us about your leadership journey and how you became a partner and what the core pillars of your firm are. So I started at my law firm back in 2014, and it was kind of a unique experience and that I was brought in and basically was a department of one. So I was the paralegal, secretary, legal assistant, you name it, all in a department. And I had the support of my now partners that basically said to me, what support do you need? We're going to give it to you. And we want you to grow this department, make it whatever you want it to be. And so I think I had the opportunity with the support behind them to kind of just go out there with my feet on the street make a name for myself, get to know the right people. And ultimately it led me to um, be a partner at the firm, which is something that I've always wanted. And I made sure I told my now partners that when I met with them, <laughs> I want to be one of the first female partners at the firm. So goal accomplished. Mariella, this is David. I love that. And from the first time I actually met you, you came across as someone who was not only confident, but you had the right conviction, the right vision and you spoke as if you were building for something that's greater than what you had. And that really speaks volumes to what you just mentioned. But I've got to ask you, in your leadership journey, what have you learned about yourself? Is there a certain style or methodology that you brought in to now being a partner and a part owner of your firm? Talk about the way that you look at your leadership style and how you bring that to your firm. 
So I realized I had to do a lot of self-reflection and realize that the only way I was going to be able to grow was to surround myself with the right people. You know, there's a book that a lot of lawyers read and it's about having the right people on the bus. And I can't advocate for that more than anything. I was not having the ability to delegate. I wanted to keep everything close. It was a level of control that I needed to let go of in order to take myself to the next level. And so throughout the years, I have just assembled the best team around me. I mean, everybody at my firm was absolutely great. And my specific team members have allowed me to basically advance because I've given up a lot of that control of the type of personality. And I have the ability to delegate now. And I'm confident that the work's going to get done exactly how I would do it. So one of the important things is having a good team behind you. Marilla, this is Danny. And I want to go back to that word you said, delegation. Uh, David and I work with a lot of CEOs, a lot of business owners, business leaders. They have a hard time letting go and they have a hard time delegating because really nobody knows the business as well as they do. No one can do the work as well as they do. Tell us a little bit more how you were able to let go uh, so that you can do more. I, I'm just curious on that one because that is that is something that we tell people every day. But you know what? Maybe they'll listen to us even more if you tell them <laughs> from your personal experience. So I'm not going to say that I am getting an A plus a delegation, but I'm significantly better than I was previously. And honestly, it just took a little bit of time and effort to sit down with my team and just explain to them how I liked things done and get their input. We collaborated on a lot of the tasks because maybe what I thought was the right way to do it really wasn't. And so as a team, we kind of came together and came up with the best approach for each task assigned so that I'm confident that yes, when I hand something off to a team member, they're doing it exactly how I want it to be and in the most efficient way as possible. That's fantastic. This is Danny again. I appreciate you bringing that out. Uh, our audience needs to hear this because we have a lot of CEOs, a lot of presidents of their business and companies who have been uh, stagnant. And if they would just try this out and learn to trust, then their business can actually grow and prosper. I also appreciate the fact that you said that your partners said, hey, go make it happen. And you kind of had this entrepreneurship type of mindset. Yes. Um, and we call entrepreneur, what entrepreneur means is you're an entrepreneur within an organization. Uh, and that means your ownership, the partnership, the leaders have have given you the green light to allow your willingness to see the firm grow and make it happen. So I think that's fantastic that you're able to have the freedom to do that. And I say this to all of our listeners. If you have rising stars in your organizations, if you have individuals that you know care as much about their company as you do and want the company to succeed, please let them sprout their wings and go. Please let them do it. Um, so the question I have real quick, let's get back to what it means to be a lawyer. <laughs> you know, we all watch TV. Uh, we all watch movies. We all see these uh, lawyers on the, in the courtroom every day battling it out on behalf of their client to win, to win opportunities and win cases. But I think there's a lot of misconceptions of, of what it means to be in your profession. Uh, can you tell us a little bit more that I think our audience has to know not every lawyer is actually in a courtroom. Can you tell us a little bit more so we can have a better understanding of what that means? So I, I hate to burst everybody's bubble, but practicing law isn't exactly how it's laid out on TV. Um, you know, there's two different types of attorneys. We have transactional attorneys and we have litigators. Litigators are typically the ones that are in the courtroom. 
but predominantly my practice is transactional. So I'm more behind the scenes. I do go to court, but I go to a special court called the Orphan's Court. Um, most jurisdictions outside of Maryland call it a probate court, uh, which is basically handling any sort of disputes associated with an individual's estate once they've passed away. And then I also do some guardianship work, which is done through the circuit court. But um, there are a lot of mundane tasks associated with being an attorney. There's a lot of paperwork. There's a lot of organization skills that are needed because you have to always be organized. Um, you know, all of our mail that comes into our firm for every single client is scanned into a system so that, you know, I can remotely connect anywhere in the world and be able to access my file. And so unfortunately, it's not as exciting as it is in TV, but it's something that I enjoy doing. Of course it's exciting, Mariella. This is David. This, that's why you do what you do. That's why our partners get the big bucks. You love what you do. And just because we are watching these dramas or watching these episodes on TV or watching these movies and we don't think it's exciting if they're not in the courtroom, the reality is much, much more is done behind the scenes. Much, much more is done before you even enter into the courtroom. And matter of fact, if I'm correct, Mariella, much of what you want to accomplish should happen before you even step into the courtroom. And so I've got to ask you this, Mariella, with someone who's in your field, I know public speaking comes up from time to time and you've done quite a few presentations, whether you were talking about the courtroom, you're presenting it before universities or different groups. Can you touch on how public speaking and this skill can prove invaluable for lawyers, for people within your space, because I know you've done a lot of speaking engagements and I know you've heard some good coach, uh, good speaking, and you've heard some poor speakers. Why is it so important for yourself and others in your position to be able to speak with confidence, clarity, and really be good presenters of their firms? We'll be right back after this short break. I am delighted to announce that App Meetup's customers can now benefit from the presentation and speaking training courses with our integration and partnership with DSB Leadership Group. DSB Leadership Group is committed to providing training and resources to support professionals becoming more effective communicators and increase their impact and value. And that is the reason why App Meetup and DSB Leadership Group have formed a partnership to make sure that our MSPs, which is you, can be effective and powerful speakers in the community. Whether you are hosting a major conference, a specialized training, or a year-end corporate event, finding the right keynote speaker or breakout speaker should be at the top of your priority list. Partner with Elite Speaker Services to book speakers according to your specifications and needs. Elite Speaker Services has the depth of speakers and the experience to bring you peace of mind and a successful event. Go to EliteSpeakerServices.com for all your event needs. Let us deliver the message your audience needs to hear. Let us deliver beyond your expectations. Thank you for listening to the Twins Talk It Up podcast. As a special thank you, we have an amazing offer for our listeners. 20% off products or services on our website. Just send us an email with the subject line podcast and we will send you that special discount code at dsbleadershipgroup.com. And now, let's get back to the episode. Welcome back to Twins Talk It Up podcast. So what seems like a lifetime ago, I used to be doing significantly more face-to-face uh, -face and presentations. A lot of it's turned to virtual these days as a result of COVID. But obviously, having the good speaking skills 
skills translates to when you're in a courtroom setting. But I used to go around most of the times to various businesses and organizations. Um, and I used to do lunch and learns. You know, the thing that I love about presenting is I like educating. There are so many misconceptions specifically about estate planning. You know, people think, oh, I don't have money. I don't need estate planning. It is so much more complex. And so I used to go around and present to, you know, different organizations as a benefit to their employees of what you really need to know about estate planning. And if I just could educate one person, it was a successful event for me, but it allowed me the opportunity to make a lot of connections that I otherwise wouldn't have been able to make and, and act as a resource for individuals that I always say I'm the quarterback, right? If I can't help you personally, you can still call me. I'll get you into the right hands of anybody that you need, regardless of the profession. Yeah, Mariella, what I was going to say, this is David. I, I love that you said I'm like the quarterback. And for our listeners that are there, if you love the content and more importantly, the guests that we are able to bring on, make sure you subscribe to our program. Ask us about sponsorship so that we can continue to bring on incredible leaders like Mariella. You talked about being a quarterback, Mariella, and I know you're a big hockey fan, so I was shocked you didn't say you're the center, you're the captain, but we all get the idea. When you're in that position, you've got to lead the conversation. You've got to direct the flow of understanding. You've got to be able to help others understand what you're trying to accomplish, and this is why speaking is so important. And I love that you provided these lunch and learns because the most important thing we could do is educate our audience to knowing what it is that we provide and how we could be of support for them. And if they don't know, they're not gonna necessarily look at their portfolio, look at their business and think, oh, I should have a business lawyer, or I should have a personal estates and trust lawyer, or I should have this type of attorney. They're, these are all the challenges that people will have if they don't understand your focus. So I just want to say I appreciate you making that very, very clear. And even with speaking, it's so important that as a lawyer, that you're very good at listening as well. Have an empathy, learning to listen beyond that, because there could be a misconception that lawyers just don't care. They're just mm -hmm. so hard-hearted. They don't have a heart. But in reality, a lot of them are focused on their client. They do care a lot about what their clients are doing or what's best for their clients. And that's what's so much missing in a lot of uh, the, uh, I guess you could call it, business leaders are out there thinking that their lawyers are only there just to be able to make sure that their X's and O's are taken care of, that the T's are crossed, that our I's are dotted. So I appreciate you making that point about speaking. Absolutely. This is Danny, and uh, I'm going to plug in uh, something that you said earlier when you were first growing your firm. And I think a lot of times people don't realize law, law firms are just like every other business. They need to do business development. So you, you have to find ways to grow your practice. You have to find ways to bring in and attract new clients. What are you doing to attract new clients? How are you generating these clients to come into the door? Is it pure marketing? Is it you doing the work that you've been doing volunteering? How are you focusing on growing your law firm? And I think a lot of our listeners want to know as well. They just think, hey, I just open up the yellow pages or go to Google or go to Bing or Edge and they find a law firm or go to Yelp. But really, how do, how do, they, how do you do business development? How do you find new clients and how do people find out about your law firm? So predominantly, a lot of my clients come from prior clients. You know, I treat every client like they're my only client. I had try to give them 110% because then they're going to talk about me to other individuals. And the next thing you know, I'm working with their children or their friends. And so a lot of my clients come based off of just client referrals from other clients. 
But I'm also in, you know, a networking group and I have made quite a few relationships across the board. I've surrounded myself with individuals of like-minded business professionals that what's important to me is the confidence level that if I'm referring somebody out, that it reflects back on me. So I'm obviously very selective of who I send individuals out to because I know how I take care of my clients. And so the best way for me to generate business is to make connections with individuals that can be of assistance to my clients. And then I can also be of assistance to their clients. Mariela, this is David. I appreciate you sharing that. And you touched on something that I think our listeners need to be able to understand very clearly and that you have to have strategic partnerships. You have to be very selective. Not everybody that comes through your door and you take on as a client will be a good client. Sometimes they're a headache. Sometimes they're a nightmare. Sometimes they're just not the right fit for you. So if you understand your practice and you fine tune your niche, you can become selective in who you wanna bring on because those clients will end up producing more business for you down the road. They'll become your best what we call apologists. They'll become your evangelists. They'll be the ones that refer other business to you. They'll be be the ones that say, no one treats me like Mariella. She can uncover things I never knew about my estate. She helped me to understand things I didn't know about my life in terms of my business. You've got to work with her. And because of their word, that's how you're able to get referrals. And so I think it's important to be able to be selective, but I also want to throw out this concept that I've been really speaking around uh, with my clients lately, Mariella, and that's strategic partnerships. You don't want every quote unquote person to become a partner. You want strategic partnerships. These are the ones, as you mentioned earlier, are aligned with your focus, aligned with your business. And so you won't have necessarily a hundred strategic partnerships. You might have four. So how do you leverage these partnerships to work with that specific client that you're looking for? Because not everybody's going to become a good client. I don't want to necessarily say I'm going to turn away business, but the reality is I need to turn away business if I want to work with, let's say, C-suite members or board of director members. So how do you leverage those few relationships and why is it so important to just have a few? So I think it's important to have a few because obviously you need to be able to trust the individuals. Again, I keep focusing on the trust component. Um, But ultimately, I handle all of my kind of approach with clients on the team approach, right? So if I'm working with a client, I'm working with their financial advisor, I'm working with their CPA, I'm working with the real estate agent. We all need to be on the same team because the last thing I want to do from a legal perspective is contradict something that their CPA is advising from a tax perspective. And so that's how I'm able to kind of further develop all of those relationships with my strategic partners is because we are all working together as a team with the focus of what are these individuals uh, clients goals and how can we all accomplish them together that's fantastic this is danny and i appreciate that i think our audience needs to understand what david and mariella is saying guys uh it's all about developing the trust it's all about having the right type of client and if you do that the word of mouth will spread as well so we can actually tell very clearly that she cares about her clients and you better make sure your clients know that you care about them as well. (laughs) Otherwise, they're not repeating to anybody to come work with you. Uh, We hear this all the time, right, on TV, and we hear this a lot, but what is a power of attorney? And why would business leaders, such as David and myself, uh, why would business owners need them? And is it a temporary thing? Is it a full-time thing? How are you manage it? I think that a lot of our audience members who are business owners would like to know. Sure, sure. So a power attorney, um, there's two different types. There's a medical, there's a financial, um, and they are each a specific planning tool when it comes to estate planning. 
These documents are only valid during your lifetime, but they basically appoint someone, a legal agent, to step into your shoes and carry on your affairs, uh, specifically from a business standpoint. So, for example, if you are a sole business owner and, you know, if you were to get into a car accident or otherwise be unable to act on your own, you want to keep business going. You know, we don't want the doors to shut just because something's happened to you. So this power of attorney document gives someone the legal authority to step into your shoes continue the business operations, talk with your clients, handle the financial component, the marketing associated with your business. They can be in perpetuity until the individual passes because a document of power attorney is null and void when you pass away, or there can be a specific you know, timeline of when it's gonna terminate. Sometimes we have clients that are going out of the country, whether on vacation or business reasons for extended period of times, and maybe they need to put in place a power of attorney to keep affairs going while they're gone. So. Those are something that I recommend across the board for all of my clients for estate planning, not just business leaders or business owners, but across the board, all individuals need them. This is Danny again. I want to jump in there because uh, now I need to make sure not only myself, my brother and I are both entrepreneurs. We have our own businesses and uh, successful businesses. And a lot of our audience members are also business owners. Uh, I think that we all need to make sure we have a power of attorney. We travel a lot to conferences, roadshows, and if something does happen, uh, God willing, nothing does, but if something does happen, we need to make sure our businesses continue to keep moving forward and continue to keep growing. And so I want to uh, thank you for bringing that out and clarifying it because all business leaders, as well as those who have assets, uh, are protected. So thank you for bringing that up. Of course. Yeah, what's interesting, Mariella, this is David. And even though Dan and I are identical twins and we joke around, oh, we're genetically the same, but we're a little different. It, it doesn't work quite like that, even in a family business. When you're running a corporation and you're running a business, as you mentioned, if I were to see a partner get in a situation where they're out to sea and they get lost or they, they get into an accident, and they're just not in a position to be able to run their firm, the power of attorney will set guidelines for how that organization is going to be run and taken care of until that person is able to come back and be in position to run that organization. And it doesn't leave the employees, it doesn't leave the staff feeling confused and what do we do? How do we function? How do things go on? And that's why it's so important. The thing that I want to ask you, which is really going to be an interesting question, because you talk about having a power of attorney, we we talk about estates and trust. My son just graduated from high school and he's getting ready to enter his next stage of life. He's going to college. So I've got to ask Mariella, how important, since you work so much with families, and I know this is up your alley, but how important is estate planning for children? And how do you factor that in when they're going to college versus having a power attorney to dictate how caregivers assist with younger children that are at home if the parents aren't in position or in the right state to take care of their children. So can you talk about why that's important to have estate planning for children going to college and also having power attorneys for younger children whose parents may not be in position to take care of them? Yeah, absolutely. Um, I think we witnessed this alone during the COVID you know, pandemic where medical issues became a huge component. And we had children that were going back to universities and colleges across the country away from mom and dad. 
And mom and dad basically were being roadblocked and unable to talk to doctors because even though they're your children, they'll always be your children. In the eyes of the law, once they turn 18, they're considered a legal adult. And so along with packing and getting all the stuff that your kids need for their dorm room, you know, when they're going to be living outside of the house, for the family house for the first time, some documents that should be put in place are some medical power of attorneys as well as financial power of attorneys. This allows you to talk to your doc, the doctors if something were to happen to your children, if there's an emergency situation. And then the financial power of attorney helps you with their financial affairs, as well as, you know, talking to the colleges and universities that essentially mom and dad are typically paying the bill for, but the college is not going to speak to you to anything beyond that, but they'll certainly cash your payments. Um, for minor children as well, it's just as important that we have power of attorneys in place for them. So if mom or dad are going away on an extended vacation, they're going to leave the children with someone if they decide not to take them with them. So we need to have someone that steps in from a parental role to be able to take the children out of school, seek medical care in the event something happens to one of the children. You don't have the ability to do that by virtue of a grandparent or aunt or uncle or maybe a sibling. Ultimately, you have to have a power of attorney in place for minor children as well. And just as I touched on with the medical, with the business power of attorney, you can have a termination date. So if mom or dad are like, hey, we're going away for a month, we're going to give mom or grandma and grandpa a power of attorney for a month to be able to take care of the grandchild. That's fine. Or you can have it in perpetuity, which I also do for some of my clients. So it definitely comes up in a normal part of all of my estate planning with my clients. I actually met with a few clients earlier this week, the same thing, graduation parties for the kids. Next part of our conversation was, okay, as soon as they turn 18, we're going to have them come in and get some estate planning documents done. Wow, Mariella, this is David. Now, I've got two kids over to age 18 now. <laughs> so this is, this is eye-opening for me to understand that these steps should be taken. And I love how you said that once they turn 18, doctors, medical pro professionals, they're bound by certain laws where I, I guess they're privacy laws where they won't even tell us what's going on because now our children are over 18. Mm -hmm. And so this will come into play to be able to speak on their behalf, to be able to help them in case there's a medical emergency. You know, this, this whole concept of senior week and these students are going out of town, they're going on vacation. These are important documents to be able to keep in mind. How often do you see a family that might come to a situation where there's an emergency where they didn't have this power attorney or they didn't have a, a, something spelled out where a parent's decisions might be clearly made about, let's say, end of life or they're in a position where they're incapacitated and they can't speak with the, let's say, lawyer themselves or the doctor themselves. Uh, I, I would say that hopefully that doesn't happen often, but uh, have you experienced a situation where you've had to come in and maybe interpret a, a, a case where that didn't happen? Yeah, unfortunately, in those extreme situations where the doctors are not willing to talk to parents about their child's care, um, the only alternative, unfortunately, at that juncture is an actual guardianship. Um, and anytime you say guardianship, that means court intervention, court oversight, they're basically controlling and overseeing all decisions made with regards to medical and financial decisions for that individual. Um, so unfortunately, that's the worst case scenario, which is why I like to get out there and say to parents to be proactive that, you know, once you know you have a child turning 18, hopefully we put these in place and we don't have to use them, but they're there just in case they need to be used. Mariella, this is David. I want to ask a follow-up question. And I think this is interesting from the standpoint of, let's say, wills. 
Uh, I've been in a position where people have asked me if I could become, let's say, a guardian, or they're putting me in their will if something should happen uh, to them, that I could be there for their children. And I know this isn't necessarily their children saying, yes, Dave should be my guardian, but it happens. They put them in the wills. And so my question is, if a parent or let's say families get together and they decide to put something together legally and they get these power attorneys and are these bound? Can they be changed, adjusted? How, how are these going to work? Let's say now that these children are approaching 18 and they're going to be on their own, but these these wills have already been put in place. How do you work with that? Let's say one of the children now are over 18, the others are still younger. Yeah, so typically once a child turns 18, they're no longer subject to the guardianship provision that you have within your will. Um, oftentimes clients will wait for an elder child to continue to get older and make a change to their will and say, we think that we're comfortable that the older sibling could actually be in charge of their younger siblings. But, you know, there has to be a level of comfort and maturity level to ensure that, you know, parents are comfortable with that. Um, I am glad to hear that those individuals that asked to nominate you to put you in the will actually asked you, because that is something that I always say to all of my clients before we execute the documents, especially for my clients that have multiple children. You know, if you're going to be leaving your kids in the hands of another individual or individuals, you need to have a candid conversation with them and ensure that they're on board because it's a huge responsibility, both from a financial standpoint and obviously from an emotional standpoint. You're stepping into the shoes and becoming a parent for the individual. So I always suggest to my clients, and I actually ask them, did you speak with these individuals before we've actually nominated them within the documents? This is Danny, and I want to I add further to that, uh, ask another question about that, really, because uh, unlike David, my kids are not over 18. And uh, my children are not over 18 yet at this moment, and they're not necessarily mature yet, enough yet to run a business. If that makes sense, they're still in middle school and elementary school. Uh, however, if I wanted to put them in my will somehow, some way to carry on my business, uh, is that possible? How does that work? Because uh, my identical twin brother may not be around uh, to run my business for me. He may want to continue to run his own company. And so if I needed to leave my business in the hands of someone I can trust or so ultimately, hopefully one day my children can run my business for me. How, how does that work when they're under 18 or maybe the court may not think that they're mentally capable to run a company? At, what do I need to do to set myself sure. up to help my kids? Yeah, no, absolutely. So anybody under 18 under law is not able to actually accept a gift under a will. So what I typically suggest for anybody that wants to extend beyond, teen, beyond 18, which is what I typically suggest across the board, is you could put that business interest in, in trust, Danny that you would appoint a trustee who's acting as a fiduciary that can continue to manage that asset or all of the assets in that trust for the benefit of your kids until they reach a target date that you feel comfortable or confident that they can become owners of that asset. Um, and that's pretty standard across the board for me is that unless some clients are saying, I absolutely implicitly trust my child that at 18, they can have the money with no strings attached. 99.9% .9 of the time I'm putting a trust in place for children just to make sure at least we get them through potentially college or grad school if that's something that's in the future. That is fantastic. This is Danny again. I appreciate that. And uh, my audience, the audience may not know, but Danny just asked a question on behalf of all of them. A little <laughs> free legal advice, right, guys? So everybody out there, if you're, you're hearing this, uh, we know you worked really hard on, for your business. We know you worked really hard to grow your organization, your company. And the last thing you want is to have 
that company taken away from you when you're not around or you're not able to maintain the company, but yet you may have children who want to run the company one day, but they maybe they're too young. So this was a question, not just for myself, but hopefully for the rest of the audience who may have kids that are under the age of 18, uh, one day to run their business. Uh, on a side note, you have mentioned in the very beginning that uh, every lawyer reads certain books. And I want to know, and I think our audience wants to know, outside of our book that was just released a couple of weeks ago called Talk It Up, a, Pub a Guide to Public Speaking, what books do you read or what podcast do you listen to or what music do you listen to to keep you motivated, to keep you pumped every day? Because you're growing your practice and you're growing it really fast. Uh, and you grew it so well that you were able to become a partner at your firm. So what are you doing every day to continue to keep you motivated, keep you excited to continue to keep hungry and growing your company? We'll be right back after this short break. We want to thank our sponsor for today's episode, Paul Jackowitz of pauljackowitz.com. For all your website design and management needs, visit Paul Jackowitz. That's Paul, J-A-C-K-I-E-W-I-C-Z.com. Are you projecting the right image to your market? Are you optimizing your name recognition and presence online? Elite Public Image is a leader in strategic communications and marketing solutions, ranging from public relations, brand communications, and content marketing strategy to social media and reputation management for businesses, professionals, and VIPs of all types. Whether you're looking to develop a spectacular brand or need a brand refresh, look no further than Elite Public Image. Visit ElitePublicImage.com and let Elite put their experience to work for you. Thank you for listening to the Twins Talk It Up podcast. As a special thank you, we have an amazing offer for our listeners for a free consultation over the next two weeks. Visit our website and schedule your free 30-minute consultation. And now, let's get back to the episode. Welcome back to Twins Talk It Up podcast. So I have a two-year-old, so unfortunately my spare time isn't what it used to be for me to be able to enjoy all of the books that I used to. Um, but I do focus a lot of my energy on working out, which is my release that keeps me sharp. And then in addition to that, I'm licensed in Maryland, Florida, and Pennsylvania. Maryland doesn't actually require CLEs, which are continued legal education, but my other two jurisdictions do. So I make it a point of obviously fulfilling the requirements for each of those states, but also signing up for some of these seminars and programs that are outside of what I typically practice. Just to kind of keep me informed of other things that are happening in other practice areas, you know, it keeps me engaged, it gets me excited to learn about different things about the law, as nerdy as that sounds, but especially if it's something that I'm not actively practicing. So the CLEs are incredibly important for me and allows me to kind of get exposure to other areas of law that I just don't typically see on a regular basis. Mariella, this is David, and I appreciate you sharing that. And it's going to lead to my next question. For our listening audience that are that's out there, one thing that really is encouraging about Mariella, and we're in a group together, she's been able to give me some insight into this world that I'm not very familiar with. And the truth of the matter is, is not all lawyers, as it was mentioned earlier, go to the courtroom. But they're speaking constantly. They're interfacing with clients. They're speaking with each other. They're speaking with, with different organizations to really put themselves in a position to be successful. 
And as Dan stated earlier, a lot of them are in position where they have to bring in quotas and they have to bring in so much business themselves. And she's really given me insight into how many people in that space need what I do as a public speaking coach, as a public speaking trainer. And it's amazing how she's helping me to craft even courses for that. So I've got to ask you now in terms of your outside obligations, besides your community work, what you're doing, you've also allowed yourself to become a member of the Baltimore County Bar Association, the executive council there. Talk about the work you're doing there and what you're doing to help shape what we're doing here in the, in the state of Maryland. Yeah, so it's an honor to be selected to serve on that committee because a few years from now, I'll obviously be president of the Baltimore County Bar Association. We have one of the most active bar associations in the entire state of Maryland. The programs that we put on, whether it's a, you know, during the day, bag, brown bag, lunch events, evening events, you know, all the different, we have golf tournaments, all of which are raising money for charities that's selected by the then serving president of the Bar Association. Just the amount of uh, material that's out there to help educate individual and the camaraderie among all of the Bar Association members is something that you know I can't even really put into words. Everyone, it's a very close-knit community. Everybody gets along. We all enjoy going to these events. And so I'm honored that I get to serve in that capacity. And hopefully many, many years from now when I'm serving as president, I'll continue to develop it and grow it and, and continue to put on all these excellent programs that we already do. This is Danny. I love to hear that, you know, hey, I'm going to be uh, one day the president. That is fantastic. So it just thinks of, I just think about that uh, when you talked about when you first started, you're, you're the, you were the person. You had to grow it. They, your partners trusted you to grow the, grow the firm. And you did grow it to a point where you're able to now have assistance and people work with you. You were able to delegate it. You're continue to grow and continue to grow. You're giving back to the community. You're now part of the Bar Association there. You're going to become the president one day. That is a something I want our audience to listen to. Look, it is amazing to go to your job and do adequate work. It's another story where you can grow yourself within the organization, become a partner. It's another thing we can give back to the city, give back to the community, and then one day be a big figure within the community, all at the same time being a parent. I think that's fantastic. That's amazing. And I say to all of our members out there that are entrepreneurs, you can do it. Do not give up keep pushing. The community does appreciate you. Even though you're a small business, you are indeed the backbone of America. And so that's the first thing I want to say is kudos to you for doing that. Kudos to you for giving back to the community. And I think that is fantastic. What I want to ask, and I know Dave probably will have another question after this, but what's next? I mean, to me, it sounds like you did a lot. You've done so much. You have a two-year-old now. You're, you you got to balance work, community, uh, being a parent. I mean, what is next for you? And then not only what is next for you, what's next for your law firm? Because they're still continue to grow. You have people doing word of mouth, doing referrals. So it's a two-part question. Part one, what's next for you? And then part two, what's next for your law firm? Sure, sure. So for me, um, you know, I have a presence in Florida that I would like to continue to expand and, and generate some more clients down in that jurisdiction. Um, I also had the, the pleasure of meeting uh, an attorney that was well known in the community that retired a few years ago and basically kind of took over her practice. And so I was able to earn, learn so much from her. And then just between our you know time together, it kind of incentivized me as wanting to be a platform for other solo practitioners out there that do something similar to what you know I do or something that somebody at my firm does just to have a space 
where they can feel comfortable to maybe come over and know that when they're ready to finally retire, our law firm is a place that we are able to absorb that work and continue to provide for that individual's clients when they do decide to stop practicing law. So I think that's my focus is maybe bringing in another practice for an individual that might want to start slowing down, knowing that I'm happy to take on the work and make sure that that individual's clients are taken care of. From a standpoint of my firm, you know, um, we don't grow for the sake of growing. We have some operating principles that we're pretty strict and, you know, adhere to. And so we do a lot of national work, even though we're a very, uh, like we're a medium-sized firm and we're, you know, local to the Baltimore area, we do have a national presence. Um, we do a lot of class action litigation work, represent a lot of land use and zoning work complex litigation. And I think that we're just going to continue to do what we're doing. We've added some few new team members on that have just allowed us to take on even more work um, and continue to grow and develop and expand our breadth of, you know, where we practice. So all I can say is that we're going to keep doing what we're doing. We're going to adhere to the principles that, you know, the managing partner put in place many years ago. We're celebrating over 20 years now of being in practice based off um, the the principles that he put in place. And I think that we're just gonna keep doing what we're doing and continue to provide excellent you know, legal advice and, and advocate for our clients. Marilyn, this is David. I wanna thank you for what you've shared. And it's awesome to be able to see that you have a focus for growing your organization, growing professionally, and that your scope is actually broad and you're continuing to grow. I wanna thank you for coming on because so many of our business owners that listen to our program don't realize the value of having great legal representation. Of course they look at it. I've got to grow the organization. I've got to have a great marketing plan. I've got to have a great HR uh, manager or director. We got to make payroll. We've got to make sure we're, we're paying our taxes. So I got to bring in a financial advisor. We got to bring on the right project managers or project directors. We've got all these different functions of the organization. And sometimes we can forget we have to be protected legally as well. And in order to prevent these challenges, we got to have people like you, professionals like yourself, and we shouldn't delay. I know people are going to be tempted to think, Dave, it costs a lot of money to bring on great lawyers. Well, what's it going to cost if you don't bring on great lawyers? What's that going to mean to your firm? What's that going to be in terms of impact for the future of your organization if you don't have yourself protected? So while it might feel like everything is under control, it only takes one misstep, one oversight for everything in your world to come crashing down. And this is why it's important to have someone like Mariella on your team. So do the right thing today. Talk to your law firm, talk to your legal representation. If you don't have one, grab someone like Mariella because it could be the best decision you've made for your organization. Mariella, thank you so much for joining my twin and I on Twins Talk It Up. If you have more information or you wanna learn more about Mariella, you can find her on LinkedIn or you could go to her website at sgs-law. Mary, thank you again for joining my twin and I on Twins Talk It Up. Thank you both. Thank you for listening to the Twins Talk It Up podcast. Please subscribe and follow us on Instagram at DSP Leadership and visit us online at dspleadershipgroup.com to learn more about our workshops and trainings. We will see you on the next episode of the Twins Talk It Up podcast.